Hello, and welcome to the Cube Corn Games Podcast. My name is Dustin Morbido. <laughs> this is our last episode of the year. Oh. We'll talk about future plans in a little bit, but we're going to round out 2022 with one last go at the podcast game before... <laughs> we have one last pod to cast. That's right. <laughs> one last pod to Into cast. see. One last audio stone to throw. <laughs> it's just going to fall. It's not going to skip at all. <laughs> Straight to the bottom. Yay! Joining me to sink into the depths. Oh, babe, I'm already there. <laughs> Lorraine Morbido is here. Fully submerged, plummeting to my doom. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll probably... Who are you? Uh, did I not say? I don't remember. I'm Dustin. I'm Dustin I'm Morbido. I think I said. It's been a long day for both of us. Lorraine got a full day of work in. That's I got, true. I'm doing a whole bunch of other stuff. My voice might give out because I've been <laughs> talking a bunch earlier today, but that's fine. But in any case, we'll try to keep this a pretty tight episode. We'll start off with some little announcements from us, talk about a couple more indie games, and then we're going to go on a little bit of a hiatus, which I think I'll announce here. Looking at the calendar, I decided I kind of settle on a date if this is okay with you, Lorraine. I mean, we'll get to that when we get time. to that. Like... But yeah, we're gonna. this will be our last episode for a little bit, and our last stream the other weekend was our last one of those for a little while. Yep. My plans currently are to come back on the week of the 19th for more streaming of January. All right. And we may or may not have a podcast for Literally that week. a month ago, a month away. Yeah. In fact, we I suspect we might have a podcast the 18th, too. So like, we'll try to record a thing Goodness. to go up then to announce some of our streaming plans at that point, and then get back to streaming indie games. That'll give us a couple weeks. We're going to keep messing with our own stuff, and that that future podcast, we'll, we'll get into our own projects again in a little more detail, but pew, 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 pew. I'll, I'll still do it at the end of the show as well, but... We're always looking for stuff to check out, so if you're out there listening, you know of any indie games you'd like us to give a shout on stream, email us at podcast at cubicorngames.com. Hit us up on all the social medias. Twitter, so many. people playing games, Mastodon, fucking co-host. Don't put all those links on found. your Twitter. <laughs> That's right, you'll get banished. Good. Uh-huh. Get your link tree and they'll send you to the fucking Shadow Realm. <laughs> Please, I dare you. Twitter's still dumb. Twitter's still exploding. Uh, but yeah, we're just going to take a couple weeks to recharge a little bit, really knuckle down and get some stuff done on our, on our own game projects, and then come back fucking strong in the middle of next month. It should yeah. be a good time. But with all that said, uh, we did play a couple games over the last two weeks. That's true. That's coming true. into the end of this year, and the first one was uh, Auto Cards. Yeah. Which was a very, that's a working title mm-hmm. for a very still-in-progress single-player card, card game RPG. Yeah. It's made by Luno, Luno Land on Twitter. Yeah. L-U-N-O Land, mm-hmm. as in land. <laughs> wow. So if you want any future updates on that project, be sure to follow him for sure. But it's it, I, I'm excited to see where that game goes. Yeah. I, I exchanged a couple uh, message with, uh, messages with him on Twitter after we streamed it. But it's uh, it's a really neat little thing. So it's a, it's a card-based RPG. Like I said, the build we played was pretty early. Mm-hmm. Although a lot of the UI stuff, I would say, was very mature. Like the... Yeah. It, well, I mean, it was even if it wasn't like its final state, it was very solid. Mm-hmm. And like the navigating intuitive. the menus, yeah. building decks, and buying cards and all that stuff. Like that stuff was all really well put together right yeah. now. So I would, I would suspect that stuff probably won't change a ton relative to the final build because it looked like a, a ton of work had already been put mm-hmm. into that stuff already. Yeah. Um, but obviously, like, I think... He told us while we were streaming that the card base is about a third mm-hmm. right now of what it will yeah. eventually be when he's done with it. And like we were able to play. So that game basically starts you off with like a little starting character and then like a, some starting money to build mm-hmm. a little deck of cards. And once you kind of spend your initial resources, you go to a map and there's like a little world, world map of nodes and each node has like a couple of battle encounters on yeah. it. Where it'll a series of like fights, basically. Yeah, where it'll basically pair you against other card wielding enemies. 
All of who were wizards at the moment. <laughs> right, that right now, yeah, I suspect there will be a few more character choices than just the, the little wizard. I mean, Although the little wizard is the cute. Wolf the wolf was a wizard. The right, bear it's funny. was a wizard. Yeah, it's funny when the bear is also a wizard. But, um... <laughs> He's just like me. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then it's a, like a turn-based RPG sort of thing where every turn you'll draw two cards. You get to choose to play one of them, and the other one gets shuffled back into your deck. Um, as you play cards, they do stuff like give you armor, deal damage, do other effects. Mm-hmm. And then every time you play a card, it is removed from your deck and then your deck will gradually diminish over time. So, like, you know, if your deck has eight cards mm-hmm. and a single fight takes so long that you play your deck way out. through all eight of them, right, then at that point you are kind of, like, stuck for that match. I mean, you take you start taking damage. Like... Yeah, basically, if you can't get get a, a fight done with the, the deck build allotted from either one of your characters or, or like, multiple of your characters, because eventually... I don't know if you could get more. Probably not. We, we got three, three party members yeah, yeah, by the like, time we were done with that demo. Given the size of the screen, I think you can have three with you at once. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you spend your way through your whole deck, unlike other deck builders, like it doesn't just shuffle up no. and like, you know, keep drawing from there. If you actually use every card in your deck in a given encounter, it'll kind of tap you mm-hmm. out and you'll be at the mercy of eventually losing. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have like some other floating effect or something that like, again, we didn't necessarily use every card that's in the game now or obviously yeah. see every one that will eventually be in it. But um, that that in itself, I thought was a really neat, uh, like we talked about ways that that project has diverted slightly from other traditional deck builders mm-hmm. or other Or even like things. popular ones, like recent ones, like Slay and stuff Yeah, like and that. I, I actually really th- think that's kind of cool. Yeah, like, I liked it a lot. Your deck like naturally goes down in content over time and, and it is a finite resource that like, you know, mm-hmm. once you've actually depleted all of it, it also I mean, makes... that's a lot more like a card game too. Like there aren't too many that like shuffle like your deck back sure. up. Like in like an actual like TCG type sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and kind of, uh, I thought that was interesting. You're right that like traditional card games usually don't have like a shuffle out mechanic, but uh, this, unlike a traditional card game, like most of those, like if you're playing Magic or something, like unless you have a very weird, very specific build, most of those games are tuned so that it like you will functionally never deplete your entire deck. Like you're mm. very unlikely to see all or even most of it in a single game. But unless you're you have like a really kind of out there build that like specifically yeah. you know cycles a bunch of cards or whatever, under normal conditions you will not ever deplete your whole deck. Like it, mm. it's you still won't come to the end of your deck in a game like Magic the Gathering, or this seems very explicitly designed to like in difficult encounters, like in later stuff where you might like have a really hard time with tougher enemies. If you're not careful about your resource usage and your build, eventually you might just totally run well, out of cards. Well, I, I think the point is that you're in theory fine tuning the small machine you're supposed to make mm-hmm. with the deck so that doesn't happen. Things go wrong because you're not prepared for something, and that's why your deck has gone to zero. Like, it's not supposed to do that. Even for the enemies, like, it's not supposed to do that because they're supposed to kill you before that, or you're supposed to kill them. But And I think that's what's really interesting about it. Like, because it's such a limited... Like, it's what? You start with being able to hold eight cards or something like that, which is really low for, like, a lot of, like, kind of deck-buildy type games of -hmm. this ilk, or at least more of the, the bigger popular ones, and I found that extremely interesting. Yeah, and I think as you leveled up characters, which we can talk about that yeah. in a second, you can build, you can get a larger mm-hmm. maximum deck limit, and then the minimum, I think, was roughly, here's the, the most thing that I found I mean, most interesting about that mechanic, is the minimum deck limit you can have. If I remember correctly, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, two-thirds of your maximum. I think so, like, I feel like something if, like that. I feel like in, if the starting max card deck value was, like, nine-ish, then I feel like it was around, like, six or seven. Yeah, like you had correct. to have to have a legal deck, mm-hmm. which I that's the my, my favorite part I think about it in whole because like you said it really hammers home the thing you just described of like actually your build is this like really you can really dial in a risk award of like 
Because you still want like the minimum number of cards you need to do the job. Ultimately, mm-hmm. like if you want to really fine tune to fine tune a build, you you want to know what your draws are. Yeah, right. You want your draws to be as consistent as possible while still having enough resources to get the job mm-hmm. done. So having that, like having there not be an explicit fixed deck limit, but that like it kind of expands over time as you get like as you level up your characters, and then you you have a wiggle room there from yeah. bet- like a minimum to a maximum for a build. I think is super neat, especially because you can split that across your party, right? So you can yeah. have maybe one or two characters who are a little like heftier or like. Thinner. Yeah, right, that are trying to, like, look, I want my blue mage to just draw, you know, whatever, this one blue card, and mm-hmm. so I'm going to have a, as few as few cards as possible, and I'm going to run two of that card, which I think was the, I think for most two. cards, the maximum number you, of quantity that you mm-hmm. can run in the deck. And then my other builds, like, are like a like the equivalent of the, my tanky character, I'm going to have a bunch of cards, I'm going to fill out their limit completely, and, like, you know, maybe yeah. they'll be a little more split between, like, graw damage and support or something, but I don't know, that all seems very interesting mm-hmm. to me. I think it... I think it seems very cool. And I, that... I really liked how there was like a party as opposed to something like Slay where it is just like a solo engine that you're working with. You can have different engines running at the same time and they can be as fine-tuned as you need them to be, which I thought was super... Mm-hmm. It was just, it was so different, at least to me, as someone who doesn't play a lot of deck builders to see something like that. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see how that fun comes out in practice for that game too, because we've talked about maybe making a card game thing at some point. And in one sense, like we wanted to do something similar, like from our very some of our very early concepts were we want to have sim- and in the similar way to this, like multiple party members, quote unquote. And there's a lot of different ways you can approach that. The, yes. the way this game approaches it, I think, is really interesting and works really well because again, with the kind of like drawing two cards at a time, and you're not really mm-hmm. like. You don't need that. You neither start with an enormous hand, nor are you like kind of accruing an enormous hand over time. Yeah. This game splits each character into their own decks, which I think works really well for the way this game is tuned relative to something like I don't think you'd want to do that. Like when I played Artifact back in the day, a thing that really put me off of that game was every part of that game was kind of super complex. But also that game did have like you kind of played three lanes with yeah. like three different characters. So you would kind of sit there on your turn and be staring at like six or seven cards at a time across three characters. And I feel like that game was like just blinded you with science of just like how much shit you had to keep track of from turn one. Like where this game doesn't do that. Like yeah. it still gets the benefits of like building three different decks and having them as part of like this kind of cohesive party engine without necessarily overwhelming you with like, all right, well, it's turn one and I already have like 27 different options of yeah. things I can do, uh, which I think is definitely to its benefit. Because like I said, with Artifact is such a weird fucking product, man. It's dead now. I'm pretty sure it's oh, long, rip. long been <laughs> fucking taken fast. out behind the barn. But like, what a bizarre thing that was. Yes. Like, from, I put like two or three hours into it and I paid them their 20 bucks. I probably should have filed for the refund. I might, I don't remember if I had just over under the limit, but even from like a very short initial gameplay section, I was like, I don't think any part of this <laughs> like works yeah. in the way that like something like Hearthstone, like if you played a bunch of card games and you play Hearthstone for like 20 minutes, you get it. I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. this is know mm-hmm. fun curve based like relatively minimal like you know just you can either just kind of sling cards around and like be pretty casual about it and have fun or you can like you know really dial in and take yeah. it super seriously but artifact kind of did like neither like you could get super complex with it but the complexity was so high that like i would have said like the overwhelming majority of human beings would self-select out of that group of like oh for sure yeah i think i told doug at the time i was like i bet there's like ten thousand people on earth (laughs) (laughs) ever who could theoretically be like way into artifact and like for everyone else this game is just like an over-engineered nightmare (laughs) i'm just even trying to imagine like i know it was built as a digital card game but i would just like to imagine like a physical version of that (laughs) where you've got like three separate like oh my god Uh uh-huh 
What a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that's like, so like I said, seeing this in contrast to that, especially because like that, that's a thing that I always wonder like what the deal was with that was too many cooks or like, uh-huh. like one person in the team with way too much influence. Like I know Richard Garfield, I think the magic guy was mm-hmm. involved with some level of that game's creation. So I don't know what the breakdown is, but this is made by, you know, one dude. This is basically a single yeah. person project and, and it, it is in its very early state, I would say so much more playable than a thing that Valve spent, you know, God knows how much yeah. money on. So it really so goes to show- much what like you know some solid indie development can do in terms of gameplay that like uh-huh. no amount of money <laughs> it turns out can solve sometimes <laughs> but yeah it's really neat i'm trying to think of other like do you have any other the leveling up system i still like too and that like so as you do fights you get experience and when your par- characters get enough experience they can gain levels and as you gain levels you can kind of bank that bank those levels into like leveling up one of the mana colors mm-hmm. for the character so i think it was red blue green right yeah in terms of like, and each of those is basically like magic. They're like a color, mm-hmm. like a themed color set of cards that they each kind of built around. You know, blue is more card draw and red is more like aggression or whatever. Like they're mm-hmm. all kind of built around a theme mm-hmm. of mechanics. Um, and you can either like put a character straight along a track, like you can make a mono red character that mm-hmm. can uh, put the largest red cards in their deck because the, the the deck building requirements are also constrained by character level. So mm-hmm. like some cards. Well, that ain't necessarily, like it was both character level and affinity level Mm because you can when you get a level up you get like a skill point that you can put into red green or yellow and like some cards are just like one red or some are like one red one green Mm -hmm. so that character to use that card needs to have both of those stats right it's deck building requirements yeah 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 yeah. and then you can like go like two or three in a certain thing and i think you i remember seeing at least one card that was like maybe like two red one green or something like that so it gets even weirder Mm -hmm. and i think that's cool yeah, no, like it, really... it shows diversity even in the sets themselves. Like here are some red cards that lean more blue or more green and you can diversify so you could have like multicolored builds or whatever and I think that's neat. Yeah, it's really neat. And we had a lot of fun tooling around with that part of it too. Both uh-huh. the, the leveling and the deck building and the combat. There's a lot of good yeah. like groundwork here mm-hmm. to build something from the future. But the leveling thing specifically is the one thing about that I'm really curious how this game will evolve. I do hope we get to see more builds. Yeah. Because again, in some of that back and forth, I was like, well, you got a new, you know, got a really like a new big milestone like build, you know, send it over to us. I'd be interested to see mm-hmm. it evolve. Because the thing thing about this game going forward is like, you know, we played it for an hour and change, yeah. hour and a half. We played probably. everything that was in there at the time, which is like three little like yeah. tracks or <clears throat> And for, or whatever. for the game as it exists right now, like I feel like we almost maxed out like the leveling system kind of as it is currently in Probably, the game because yeah. i think the highest cost card like the highest, either a two the highest or a deck three. cost card was like a three right so yeah. over the course of that play session like we had kind of gotten mm-hmm. one or more characters to like that the point where they could or basically build close, anything yeah so like from a longevity standpoint i'll just be really curious how the game evolves and how it balances because there's that aspect of it of like you want those kind of upgrades to feel like mm-hmm. fast enough that they're meaningful but not so fast that you like have blown through everything the game has to offer yeah. in like 15 minutes and similarly from like a deck building and gameplay perspective i'll be really really curious to see how that game ends up tuned for like over a certain period of time because again i feel like it was like the chunk we played was actually pretty solid gameplay wise yeah. like the curve felt pretty good going mm-hmm. from like where we began to where we kind of like the last encounter we played of like going from like pretty easy to like mm-hmm. challenging enough that we at least had to like run back a thing or tweak yeah. a build a little bit the greatest strength i think of it now where like the decks are finite and the the hands are very finite on a turn by turn basis i think could theoretically be that game's greatest weakness and like the six to eight hour mark if that's how the amount of time mm-hmm. you're trying to get out of people to play with because the the baked in benefit that traditional deck builders have like something like slay or whatever mm-hmm. is that like you know you can build these really complicated engines where like 
near the end game of a run, you know, you're playing like 15 cards a turn and they all interact with each other and yeah. they like all proc other shit. Whereas this game like can't do that in at least the same way, right? Because mm-hmm. you only have like, you know, two cards in hand at a time and you can only play one of them at any given turn currently like as exists right now. I mean, there are cards that play cards from your deck. So like in theory, like the... Mm-hmm chaining like that right is probably a bigger mechanic and i'm assuming that a lot of the cards to come maybe not all of them are going to be like just higher tiered cards because like i mean we basically like you said we hit the ceiling mm-hmm. with the the area that we were in and i'm assuming a lot of the like the longevity or at least like the the grind i guess for a way like because you can just keep buying characters you can have all these guys for different decks so I think the thing is like, oh, like leveling up all these characters, having like picking your decks that you want to go into certain encounters and just like having those super fine tuned like tools essentially to mm-hmm. throw against like, I mean, the map looked like it was, I don't, it didn't look like the map was going to scroll for like the, like the overworld. So I'm assuming it's probably that whole area. Yeah. Again, I'm just like kind of stating these things just as like things yeah. to keep, oh, sure. keep in mind, not necessarily like thing. Like I definitely think this should be changed about it right now. Yeah. I'm just kind of throwing out ideas again, knowing that this is pretty mm-hmm. early on in development. Because the other thing about this relative to something like Slay or whatever, like this isn't a roguelike in that sense. Yes. Or like it, it will have a finite amount of gameplay. Yes. Like you will eventually beat the whole map and then obviously mm-hmm. you can, you know, boot it up and play again if you want Mm -hmm. but it is not necessarily that like like, one more run you can replay the the fights right yeah Uh, but it it doesn't have necessarily that rng like no every run is different that kind of thing like it's not quite going for that so with that in mind like you know you can build yourself into like you pick whatever in your head you know a good gameplay target is for like you know total time and then try to make sure you have engaging gameplay Mm -hmm. (laughs) that spreads across that like kind of time period you're roughly shooting for so i definitely think all that stuff is extremely doable i'll just Mm -hmm. be curious to see how it ultimately starts to shake out like when that project becomes a little more mature but it does seem really neat so far again for something so early on it was a lot of fun to fuck around with for a little bit there so i would definitely had a good time i would definitely advise you to check out uno (laughs) land on twitter and eventually that twitter account will have more information about what that project becomes but right now auto cards the early alpha whatever (laughs) whatever stage is in the early build is uh, it is very cool and very fun i'm looking forward to seeing it same here kind of evolve into Something new. <laughs> See how it changes over time. But like I said, I'm a sucker for card games, so... I'm aware. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> no complaints on that front. But yeah, we'll definitely... Uh, a minimum on our own time, if not on stream again, we'll check out more of that thing as it evolves. We'll see how things shake out. But looking forward to seeing more of it. And then the other stuff we played this past week was we checked out a few things from Arcane Circus. Yeah. Um, they're in the Netherlands, right? I believe so. Yeah, I don't know what part, like how... No. Mm-hmm. How close they are to like you know, major <laughs> city yeah. center or whatever. But yeah, we, uh, again, I kind of described on stream, but we have, you know, a very distant mm-hmm. pre-existing relationship with those those guys. That's a team of two people yeah. making indie games. So we had met them at a GDC years ago. Mm-hmm. And just had like, you know, a nice conversation talking yeah. about trying to make cool, weird projects and hanging out a little bit and then have like interacted with them on and off on Twitter a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the, in doing this project where we're kind of trying to play a bunch of indie games and talk about them, uh, it is the perfect opportunity to do stuff like this, where it's like, these are people who, you know, I'm glad they're out there making stuff, and I respect anybody who puts in the time and effort to make, like, small, cool, weird indie projects. Yeah. But finally having, carving out the space to check that stuff out and being like, all right, I know these people to some extent. I know that they're cool, and I respect their, you know, their efforts, mm-hmm. and now we're going to actually dedicate the time to play the things that they're putting out, like making our way from person to person to person. 
has been a lot of fun. So yes. it was finally cool, though. Because, again, the, the games, we played three of the four things they have out on their itch page. And those have come out over the course of, like, the decade. So yeah, like, it's been all over the place. Yeah, and I think we're going to have them on the podcast at some point. Most likely at a point where they're ready to talk about the next thing that they're going to put mm-hmm. out. Because in exchanging a couple of messages with Molly, that seems like that'll reach out to me when they're ready. And we'll yeah. we'll try to figure something out in the That'd future. That'd be awesome. But yeah, like again, I'd love to hear what they're working on and just hear about game dev, you know, in Europe in general and their like corner of the world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we got to like kind of check out most of their back catalog. And the first thing we played for the longest was Kimono and Chibi Chan Save the World. Mm-hmm. And it's a fun little like kind of Donkey Kong-esque mm-hmm. arcade game that if you click through the itch page is based on like a YouTube like little kind of short animated movie thing. Yeah. That at least Molly had worked on at some point. I don't know if both of the people I'm in Arcane sure. Circus were necessarily involved with that little project. But is it Eric? Is that the other? I think one? yeah, it's Eric. I forget I... the last names. <laughs> but yeah, so that that game is fun. Like it's a deceptively fun little. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I don't know if I got quite in as deep as I'm going to go now in terms <laughs> of like the overall feel. But I feel like that game for being a small little kind of like single screen arcade experience, uh-huh. like is felt really physically well tuned. Yeah. Like the act of moving the character on the screen, basically. You, so you're, uh, it's two up to two players. Mm-hmm. I was we were only playing as one just because it's all keyboard based and we had a pretty small tight little keyboard yeah. over here, so it was just like kind of difficult to be as dexterous with two people mm-hmm. <laughs> as we could have on in our stream setting, basically. But um, so and for our gameplay purposes, I was playing as single player play as a little character in like kind of a set space with this horrible eyeball covered monstrosity that's oh, kind of terrible. set in the center of the screen and you have to pick up blocks and throw them at it to deal mm-hmm. damage and eventually do enough to destroy it um, and you have three hits of health which can be diminished either by taking like if your character takes a hit from a projectile that comes from the, the mm-hmm. enemy you'll take damage or the hearts themselves are both UI elements and they physically exist in the scene so they're kind of like along the bottom of the play space mm-hmm. uh, covered by blocks that can themselves be destroyed by the enemy projectiles. Yeah. And so, and, it, or you can, you yeah, can accidentally throw. You can just pick them up, yep. right? But yeah, so if you, if one of those hearts eventually is also struck by an enemy projectile, mm-hmm. it will d- diminish the heart in addition, yeah. which is I, I thought is neat. I was like, that is both. It is very cool, clever and funny. Like, <laughs> it is a fun gameplay balancing thing to have mm-hmm. to manage both like your own physical space and the resources of like using blocks to both deal Uh damage and place defensively back on over the heart segments Mm -hmm. as they get you know exposed and to have to be aware of the hearts in addition to your own like physical well-being when it comes to like the enemy projectiles on screen i actually think it all works really well together Mm -hmm. it was very cool uh, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I, apparently you can like fast fall down the, the ladders. <laughs> <laughs> they told us that after we, after watching the stream archive, cause the, you know, the time difference for us is pretty yeah. gnarly. Uh, we're on the East, East coast time in America and they're, you know, mid-ish Europe. I'm not a hundred percent sure how the time, how, yeah, I don't know where those, how the time zones yeah, shift on the European continent. I don't know where those lines are, but they're at least like six to eight hours ahead of us. I believe something like that. Um, so it's definitely like we would have been deep in the AM for them mm-hmm. uh, when we were playing around like, you know, seven. seven, seven in the evening our time. But um, yeah, it was a it was a really good time because I'll probably at some point maybe I'll <laughs> try to regain my honor and boot that thing back up and actually beat it properly myself. But we fiddled around with just that game alone, I think, for almost an hour. And like, mm-hmm. I got closer. Like I improved yeah. over time. Like so I you technically got, got better. Um, but like I said, yeah, the, the, the fine tune both, I think, as I described earlier, the gameplay I think was mm-hmm. really smartly executed for like yeah. a like a relatively small isolated little thing and the sensation was pretty good like it definitely felt that's another example of a like you know visually it looks a lot like a donkey kong style thing but mm-hmm. physically the act of like pushing buttons and having it react it felt much better than that like because <laughs> donkey kong is a pretty kind of crummy feeling it's clunky. like yeah it's not uh 
If you go back and play original Donkey Kong the arcade game, it does not feel awesome. Mm. <laughs> like it does not feel responsive in the way that like modern video games do. And this very much felt like well tuned in that sense, where yeah. like the sensation of like moving and then throwing the block and just like how much extra momentum it got as you mm-hmm. kind of like put your back into it a little bit. Like mm-hmm. it all felt really good. It was a lot of fun to, to mess with for a little bit there. And then additionally, we played uh, Shooty and Journey of the Firebirds a little bit, which are two of the other things that they've put mm-hmm. out. Journey of the Firebirds was a fun little like pseudo. It kind of reminded me of like an Intellivision game, just like the kind of like the basic like controls and like mm-hmm. it felt like a kind of shark, obviously shark. more than that huh <laughs> like shark shark no no, no 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 just because it was like a very you had like one main thing you were doing you are the lead bird of a flock and you're trying to keep all these other birds alive from getting like blown away by wind or eaten by sea monsters and there was mm-hmm. there's just something about it maybe it was just more like arcadey is the feel i'm actually going for yeah but but that game has a more like it was ominous oh my god <laughs> i was gonna say it has a little like a slightly I don't know if artsier, like a slightly more like conscious presentation where it's like, mm-hmm. a, this is about, you know, birds migrating. and the, But then also we built like this fun little gameplay segment around yeah. the concept of like representing birds migrate with an in video game form. Yeah, it was really cool. Because uh, like I said, the thing it reminded me of was like 1980 or 1942, I think, like the just the old Capcom like shooters where you're kind of just a little plane on the screen and you sort of like move it around a 2D background. Like I mean, it kind of reminded me of that. It was definitely that. like a shmup. Right. But instead of like combat, mm. you're like living hurting birds defensively to make sure like you said they're not destroyed by the elements of like massive gusts of wind that or like wind, sea though, monsters that jump out of the ground out deadly. of the like water and snatch you up or whatever lose yourself in the the water texture and the <laughs> ominous music that's playing behind it mm-hmm. but yeah your goal is basically right you start with a, a flock of birds on like the quote-unquote bottom mm-hmm. of like a scrolling like 2d background screen flying over the ocean eventually try to get as many of them as possible uh, Max was with three dudes across the, the <laughs> across the sea to migration. Yeah, I right. Eventually got three. I was I bu- I got a breeding pair once, and then I think I I got just one bird total, or was it no, two? No, it was it was two birds. Okay. and then you got three, and then three like all males, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so I never had like both a breeding set and like also a larger contingent. It uh-huh. was just the those two survivors or just like a slight handful more yeah the mechanics of that game were again you kind of move around the screen as like it kind of scrolls below you and your whichever core bird you have so it kind of picks one by default and then if that one gets dies like if it gets it'll just pick another one eaten or blown off the screen or whatever right it'll just pick one of the remaining birds to be like the bird you control Mm -hmm. um and that bird has kind of a sphere of influence where there's like a visual representation on screen of like other birds you can affect Mm -hmm. and when those birds are in close proximity to you if you push i think it was the space bar or something yeah they'll kind of mimic your movement so uh-huh. you can you kind of get near them and then kind of like push the button to start influencing them and then you can kind of mm-hmm. like drag them over to to other areas of the screen that are hopefully out of harm's way. protein drinks. Mm-hmm. And that game felt good too in like a different way. Like it definitely didn't feel quite as tight as Kimono and Chibi Chan, but by but I think it, it, on it purpose. Was, yeah, it, you know, it, it felt kind of flighty. Like right. Yeah. It felt like, you know. You had a weight to you or weightlessness. Yeah. Because uh, like a bird in flight, you know, mm-hmm. it's not some like perfect missile where yeah. <laughs> it just goes from point A to point B with no obstruction. There's drag. Like, there's yeah, like right. A... There's there's wind and yeah, like all that stuff. And you were also like kind of constantly <laughs> being pushed towards the bottom of the screen. Like mm-hmm. you had to fight against that and dodging all these um, Yeah. Obstacles. It felt very smart, like intentional, mm-hmm. like the way that the the motion felt as you're kind of moving you know just with a couple button presses moving those birds around the screen trying to like herd them to safety but yeah that was a lot of fun too and then we rounded out our arcane circus experience with shooty which is a silly uh, yeah it's kind of like weird like an old school like like visually it kind of looks like pong but it's like a it's it's like a combat game where you're basically like a little 
head. <laughs> yeah, you're just <laughs> that, that fires guy. projectiles at, at an opposing head, and those projectiles are just like, you know, it's very pixely, and those projectiles mm. are just like a basic little square like the Pong dot. Yeah. Uh, but they loop around the screen Forever. in whatever direction you fire them in, right, until someone dies, so. <laughs> My favorite part of that was that, like, each one had a different tone, so they would, like, you, you were kind of, like, also building music at the same time. Oh, sure, once you've gotten, like, five or six yeah. bullets <laughs> lapping funny. the play space. Yeah, but that was a very fun little, like, you know, mm -hmm. relatively simple, like, proof of concept multiplayer, like, you know, 1v1 game. But it was very fun. High-end like, strat. It was, it was extremely silly. Uh, <laughs> but like you said, by the time, like, if you managed to survive deep into a round, because you could get, you just kind of play as much as you want, as far as I could tell. Like, uh -huh. if you killed the enemy, you got, again, visually like Pong, your, your giant score number would go up by one if you yeah. took out the opposing head. Mm -hmm. um, and then, it, to me, it looked like you could pretty much just play until you were kind of bored with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to screw around with, and like you said, once the, once you get to a point on the play space where there's like three or four or more bullets, like mm. when things get really crowded, it becomes really, really hectic in like a fun way. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Like where you really that. you're really kind of like <laughs> both trying to dodge both your own fire and the enemy fire because you can get, be killed by your own bullets too oh, yeah. on the comeback, and still like you know theoretically pepper out more fire uh, <laughs> while making the play space even more chaotic. Uh, but that was a lot of fun too. Uh, so those were all the things we screwed mm -hmm. with with our. Circus, and then they had a had a fourth game that is like um I got described on the stream. I believe it. It's it's like looking at the trailer for it. It looks kind of like Quop with horse mating, or like <laughs> it's like Quop plus like Custer's Revenge, but hopefully consensual. Because <laughs> that game, you know, has pixelated involuntarily involuntary sexual contact, but this has a, what appears to be voluntary horse sexual contact <laughs> that you initiate by like contorting your hand to push a bunch of buttons and like a like a somewhat. You know, cumbersome <laughs> sequence, but uh, I wasn't sure if that would play for the Twitch yeah. TOS. I didn't want to. I didn't want to risk it. It probably would have been fine because it's so, like I said, mm. it's, it is like Commodore sixty four style, like very yeah. pixely representation of animal fornication. <laughs> but it looks like that in its own right. It looked like a fun, like very silly, yeah, uh, like kind of thing. But that is also available on their itch page. So, any, I believe every single thing they have on there is pay what you want. So if you're interested in any of these Arcane Circus things, definitely check out Arcane Circus on itch and. Yeah. You know, I I give them a couple bucks because I think you know it's nice to give <laughs> mm -hmm. to give game devs a little something for their for their effort. <laughs> uh, but if you wanted to check out all those games for free, I believe you could do it. Just go load up on your account and, and mess <laughs> with them a little bit. But yeah. yeah, we had a great time browsing through again, kind of their back catalog of like fun little projects that they've made over the years. So yeah, I do hope eventually we get that podcast thing figured out and get to talk to them about. I'd really like that what they're go doing on an ongoing basis. But I'm glad that they've been making stuff for this long because mm -hmm. again, like it's hard to stay out there and keep making things. And we know that like you know it took us almost a decade <laughs> to really ship our our first like commercial project yeah so we're hoping to do more stuff in the future too but i know how hard it is to get anything out the door even small stuff that like yeah. you think is going to be like you know i think this project might take me a couple months and then mm -hmm. <laughs> it can very much take much longer than that that was kind of one of the things that like really inspired me about like just like seeing all those arcane circus games because like i know we had like off podcast or whatever like I don't remember if I mentioned it at the GDX one, but like I'd kind of been thinking about maybe like dipping my toe into like some kind of visual novel something and mm -hmm. doing just like a short little like just a story, like a short little story in that format. Kind of like how like their things were just like very brief, whatever is like, I don't know. Just... I would be excited to see you do something like that because I know you really enjoy writing. Yeah, I would be I would be 
I think it would be cool personally to see your writing creative self crossed with your game dev creative yeah. self. Because uh, like you these days, t- to date, you really only kind of use one or the other like mm-hmm. for any given project you're working on. So I think that would be super cool. Yeah. And like I... It, it's just it's going to require a lot more research and mm-hmm. obviously time but i think that could like it, I, I don't think it would ever like fully replace like just straight up writing because there's a lot of differences there's pros and cons between both mediums but i think it could be a cool way to like just tell some kind of story yeah just like i said just experiment more mm-hmm. just like try out shit you haven't tried out before see how you feel about it <laughs> yeah no I'd, I'd love that so <laughs> you let me know if you need me to try to like make you a little more bandwidth to eventually try that out mm. but i think that would be super cool if that's a thing you're interested in doing at some point yeah like i said i want to do like i want to figure out like if unity is a good place to do that in like actually like building something more from scratch or trying to find some other like i know i remember specifically at gdex there was a like i don't know if it was specifically for like otome games or not or if it was just like a generic kind of like visual novel engine that had a lot of that built in that i wouldn't have to do as much overhead on that side mm-hmm. but I mean, I don't, I, I could even just like dust off like Construct 2 almost. Like, that's not <laughs> the worst thing. Probably rather use something more robust than that. But like you said, research first and then mm-hmm. work backwards from there. Definitely yeah. want to try to pick the best tool you can starting out with. So yeah. something you don't have to fight with too much. Uh, very cool. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to see that too if that ever Woo. materializes. Because like I said, I think, that, I think that stuff can be good. Like I said, I struggle with like the, like that kind of like the game jam format and stuff like mm-hmm. that i just i don't know i've had a hard time trying to get into those things because i'm just it's a sometimes it is so hard for me to focus on the main thing we're working on that i feel like if i spend those energies in that way i'm just gonna put yeah. myself behind on like other long-term goals <laughs> but i respect people who mm-hmm. either like just really enjoy that or who get further energized by it to go like kind of yeah. take that energy back to their like to other projects or even if like you know the amount of game dev you do is just game jam stuff mm-hmm. game jam stuff there's nothing wrong with that that's super neat it's just a different you know, a different kind of expression. Yeah, it, it's a lot of like just like different like workflow type preferences mm-hmm. and like you can experience or experiment on a base level with like a lot more interesting mechanic yeah. and thematical stuff on a very consistent basis. But at the same time, obviously, you're not going to build. You know, you're not going to build a robust card game RPG in like a yeah. weekend in a game jam context. So there's there's certainly some projects that aren't going to you know mm-hmm. aren't doable in a weekend or or you know seven days or whatever. But there's certainly a cool way, like a cool thing in the game dev sphere. Yeah, for definitely. For people to like create in. I mean, experiment they, there's with. other things like that with like other like art stuff. There's like um, I don't remember what the full acronym is. There's like a thing that happens most November is where it's like, oh, you're like you basically are like in theory writing a novel over the course of the month. It's mm-hmm. like you do a certain amount of writing each day. There's stuff like Inktober type challenges where it's like drawing mm-hmm. a little bit each day, like. Mm-hmm. I've never wa- ever felt super compelled to do any of those because that's just not how I operate with like art or writing or any of that kind of stuff. It's just a lot of pressure that I just don't want to deal with. But I like seeing the result of that because it's always cool. And with like anything, the more you do something, the better you get at it. So like so even just seeing like the progress that people can take over the course of a month is really neat. And doing the same thing on like a game design level of just like really rapid prototyping essentially of just like whatever pops into your head i think is a good way to just like get better at like solving problems really quickly or creatively in a lot of ways and just kind of testing out a lot of different things it's cool yeah that's super neat so yeah we'll keep our ear to the ground on 
being able to do some more of that stuff. And like I said, I, if we do, don't get any more requests, I'll definitely be poking around for more indie games to play. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll even try to explicitly find some other like visual novel kind of things just to give you, like we can present ourselves and more of that stuff, maybe give you some more inspiration or something. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. But, um, in any case, is there anything else you want to talk about before we kind of wrap up the show? And I like give our last few plugs and announcements before we bail for the for calendar year 2022. For the year. I don't know. Why not? Okay. Well, yeah. I'm also in a very like just, overall tired state so if there was a anything important it's not here at the moment <laughs> that's fair the cash is empty mm-hmm. yeah well like i said i think having tight little concise shows is definitely not a bad thing so no, i think we'll, yeah. we'll call it an evening for now thank you so much for listening wherever you are uh like i said we're going to take a little time off we mm-hmm. reiterate all announcements so i expect us to have our next podcast probably on the 18th of january assuming everything goes well on our next mm-hmm. stream on the, the following day the 19th and then hopefully we'll be back to podcast every two weeks stream every thursday um we'll probably stick with thursdays for now sometimes we're doing saturdays that's kind of like contingent on lorraine's schedule to some some degree but you know thursdays have been going okay so sure yeah. like i well, mean going into january i will have more saturdays theoretically available yeah. it won't be like constrained work wise but mm-hmm. who knows yeah and i have other thoughts of how we might use other days oh goodness for streaming and stuff too but we'll talk about that on our return podcast well. we, won't have, we won't have games to talk about we won't have played any like yeah. streamed streamed indies since then so save that for later but mm. all that said yeah thank you again for listening if you've got a game or know someone who has a game or just see something cool on the internet that you think we should check out email us at podcast at cubicorngames.com you can find us on twitter at cubicorngames on co-host at cubicorngames and on the people making games Mastodon at Cubicorn Games. Uh, CubicornGames.com is our website. We yep. post there sometimes with updates and, <laughs> and host the podcast there too. And the podcast can still be found on pretty much every podcast platform you can think of. iTunes, Samsung, Spotify, uh, Amazon, uh, <laughs> Google Podcasts. I believe it is on all those things. Yeah. If you want to hear about what we're playing on an ongoing basis, follow us on any of those. And with all that said... Uh, we've got stream archives on YouTube as well. Thank you. That games. was a last solid plug. Yeah, if you want to watch any of our streams after we've done them, mm-hmm. uh, Cube Games on YouTube has every indie game we've played so far and hopefully all the ones we'll play in the future. So finally, with all that said, we're going to call it a show. Woo, in a year. And a year. Goodbye, 2022. Thank God. Fuck off. Yeah, get it out of <laughs> Hopefully here. Hopefully 2020. I'll say this until it happens. <laughs> I mean, we've had some good stuff this year, too. I mean, yeah. It's been a complicated year. It's been well, weird. Hopefully 2023 will have an even higher ratio of good to bad. God, we'll see. So. We'll see how it goes. I don't want to get ratioed for like a fourth year in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with getting ratioed. No. <laughs> Annually. No. <laughs> Uh, we'll see what happens but uh, thank you again <laughs> Lorraine <laughs> thank you again Lorraine for hanging out and talking with me about video games thank you for listening I need to sleep we will oh be back my God. next month uh, have a safe happy holiday whatever yes. whatever you might celebrate over the next couple weeks uh, if you don't celebrate anything yeah or just right if you want to celebrate sitting in your underwear you know drinking beer and or soda <laughs> do that do that it is your have a good time right mazel tov <laughs> Uh, All right. Uh, we'll see you later, Internet. Thank you for listening. Bye. So long.